0: Welcome, this is WNZ Radio, coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Thank you for tuning in for another show. Uh, I'm sitting here with my good friend, David Aboon.
1: Hey, Jan, great to be here with you, as always.
0: Yeah, another day in the neighborhood, yeah. and uh, really appreciate the opportunity we have to come on a weekly show like this, you Absolutely. know. Really appreciate WNZN and Mark Ballard, and especially a special congratulations to Mark from the awards that he's been winning of late it's really pretty incredible, you know, how he's guided this station in so many different ways. He's done so, so much for the community. It's, it's been a blessing. So congratulations, Mark. So today, Dave, you know, you know, before we had a special guest, on, we have a couple, I think are lined up for in the near future. We slide back, we do the Bible, we might do apologetics, or we might do ways of looking at the Bible so people can understand the Bible in easier fashion. There's a lot of people When I teach different places, they say, well, the Bible's too hard to understand or it's too daunting, especially the Old Testament, and I kind of get lost in it. Well, what I've noticed is that there's patterns, there's themes, there's ways to understand the Bible, uh, I think, a little bit easier once you see these uh, different outlines that are there. And Today, I like to look at a very interesting one, and that is the use of the shepherd and the lamb, particularly as it applies to Jesus, and this is going to be in the very first Book of the Bible in Genesis, and it carries all the way through to the last book of the Bible, the Book of Revelation, and we're going to see this relationship of the Shepherd and the Lamb, and it's again I say like it's, yeah, notably particularly how it uh, relates to the person of Jesus Christ, and once you see this, it's like I think we did a show about six months ago on clothing in the Bible, Mm -hmm. we went all through clothing and all the way to the end of the Book of Revelation where believers. I have white robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so we, from Genesis to Revelation. And right away, that kind of ties you through, just like blood, you know, from. So, well, today we're going to look at this specifically. Now, of course, Jesus is called the Alp and the Omega. He's called the Son of God. He's also called the Son of Man, but he's also called the Good Shepherd, but he's also called the Lamb of God. So, let's see where this all starts. The last place to start is at the beginning. So when you go to Genesis chapter 3, this is right after Adam and Eve sinned, and we kind of know the story. They listened to the devil, and then they turned their back on God, and they knew they had sinned, and they were ashamed, and they covered themselves with fig leaves, and then they hid in the shade. You know, God came looking for them in chapter 3, and it's very interesting because it says, and God was walking in the cool of the day, and he says, to Adam, where are you? That's really the first question God asks in the Bible. Where are you? To a lost man. Yeah. And see, when Jesus comes in Luke chapter 19, he says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So we serve a seeking God, whether it's Old Testament or in the person of Jesus. He's seeking. We, we have a seeking God. But then, of course, we know what happens here. There's a judgment falls on Satan. You know, he's going to eat the dust. He's going to be like a serpent. The woman is going to bring through ch- children through childbearing. It's going to be painful. The man has to work the ground now. God doesn't curse Adam and Eve, but he does curse the ground. But then it says something very interesting. It relates to what we're speaking about today, David. And it's in um, verse 21 of chapter 3, where it says, And also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now, we don't know if this is a lamb or what kind of animal. Well, what we do know yeah. This was the first death recorded in the Bible, yeah. and it's God's plan. Man's plan was to cover themselves with big leaves. Man always wants to cover their sin and shame. They got religion, philosophy, alcohol, drugs. Man always is trying to quiet down his guilty conscience and his guilt. But this is God's plan. So what did the animal do wrong? Nothing. Yes, exactly. So the innocent died for the guilty. Mm-hmm. Blood was shed. Mm-hmm. It was an inadequate clothing. And to put that clothing on, you took the old clothing off, the right. fig leaves. See what i say? With the first sacrifice. The first sacrifice, in a sense. And it was initiated by God, yes. not by man. Man's ideas ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why the Bible will say, the wages of sin is death. And then another place it says, the soul that sins will die. But then, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So when you connect the dots, you see that there's a penalty when we sin, it's like anything we do today. If you do wrong, you, you can suffer a penalty. So if, if, if a man robs a bank, he might go to prison for five years. But when he comes out, you say, he paid his debt to the community. Yes. Do you ever hear that phrase? Yes. He paid his debt to the community. Yes. Well, all of us have sinned. Yeah. We have a debt against God. So ugh, we can't pay that debt. No. <laughs> Not a hundred lifetimes. Yeah. But if he comes in mm-hmm. and sheds his blood for us, the debt is paid. It's called justification. Isn't it cool? Okay, now let's look at the first shepherd here. You can read this, David, the next chapter. Um, maybe you could read chapter 4,
1: at verse 1 through 4. Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flax and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Okay, let's look at this now. Yeah. Thanks, David. Number one, these are the
0: first children born to Adam and Eve, Right. Notice the firstborn is Cain and his brother Abel. Now, look, Abel was keeper of sheep. There we remember, we're talking about shepherds and lambs. So, here's your first occupation listed shepherd. That's important when we get to Jesus, who is the good shepherd. And he's keeping sheep. Okay, that, of course, sheep are lambs, you know, the younger lambs. Cain is a farmer, he's a tiller of the ground. So they want to offer up a sacrifice to God, an offering, maybe Thanksgiving offering. But Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. So there you see a sacrifice, the very best, okay, probably a lamb. I mean, he's a shepherd, he's got sheep, it's a lamb. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And then Cain was angry. So here we see this shepherd is offering a lamb. God accepts that sacrifice And But his brother is angry because he's got a bad attitude and all this other stuff. And he ends up, he's going to kill his brother. He he takes him out and he kills him. And then God says, what have you done? He says to Cain, what have you done? And he says, am I my brother's keeper? And it says in verse 10, God says, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So this is a very important thing going on here because Abel is a type. Mm. Or a picture of Jesus Christ, Shepherd Shepherd offers up an acceptable sacrifice, acceptable sacrifice hated by his brethren. Yeah, remember it says in John chapter one, Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. He was killed by his fellow yeah. others, you know, right. countrymen. Yeah. The other thing, of course, Jesus' sacrifice was accepted by God, and it says that his sacrifice doesn't cry out for vengeance. See in verse ten. The blood of Abel cries out, out out from the ground for vengeance, you see. Mm-hmm. But in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, when you relate this comparison between Abel as a shepherd and Jesus as a shepherd, something very interesting emerges. And it says 24? this uh, Hebrews chapter 12, let's see, okay. Hebrews chapter 12, mm-hmm. verse 24. Hebrews chapter 12, it connects the two in a real interesting way. Okay. Maybe you'd have that. Yeah. Uh, Okay.
1: Uh, To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that? Yeah. See, Abel's blood spoke of
0: vengeance and that, but Jesus' blood speaks of mercy and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. See, so once you understand this contrast between the Old Testament New Testament, shepherd, sheep, which we're going to look at for a couple minutes here, you'll start seeing, oh, yeah, I see how the Bible is connected together. Doesn't it kind of pop open a little bit more? The
1: imagery is you know so clear when I first read the Bible um you know I read uh, a scripture from Old Testament and New Testament every day it took me a year to get through it right. a little bit less right but after you got back and we started connecting again you know once you see that from the time of the sin in Genesis that God had a plan and his plan was his son to come down for the perfect sacrifice because even after that occurred with, uh, when God did the first sacrifice to give them the skins to cover up, but it was because of their sin. But then in the temple, you see in Israel that they're doing sacrifices morning and at night. Right. Twice a day. Right. Because it's not the perfect sacrifice. Never. To get us into heaven and to forgive our sins. So then Jesus comes along, but the entire book from Genesis to Revelations is about Jesus coming he is? He's the Son of God, and he's the perfect sacrifice. To think that he's the Son of God, the perfect sacrifice, but the Son of God in using the shepherd metaphor—how uh, humble, yeah. how protective, right? But gentle and strong yeah. in the same breath. Like David, David, the, the 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 shepherd boy. David killed a lion and a bear, right with his crux, with his shepherd's stick. Right, right. Think about about that. But, you know, Jesus had the ability to do that and to seek revenge for the people that were brutalizing him and putting him on the cross, but he chose not to. Yeah, right. So it all ties that. Yeah, that's yeah. it's a single, it's like a tapestry, like a real nice Oriental rug. Yeah.
0: If you look at it on the backside, I used to see that because when I lived in, Chi- uh, we right. go to Chiang Mai Yuzi, uh rug traders from Pakistan would come in. And you look at the back there, you got red, white, blue, all these threads going. You think, wow, it's a big mixed mass. You flip it over, and it's a gorgeous scene. It's all united. That's like the Bible.
1: Well, yeah, but, you know, John, not to digress, but, again, the the imagery throughout the Bible, once you understand that, as you, you taught me to look at it that way, then you see Abraham with his son going up.
0: Right, we're going to look at that. You know,
1: how he goes back, and then he's yeah. like resurrected. It, it's just perfect. Yeah,
0: you'll see that. It's just We'll perfect. see that. Yeah. So, again, look, when you think of just shepherds in the Bible, yeah. you think about this. Okay, there's the first one we saw is Abel. And then, of course, Abraham right. is a shepherd. Isaac is a shepherd. Moses is a shepherd. Remember when he has to leave Egypt. Yeah. David is the beloved shepherd, the shepherd boy. Remember, he's a shepherd boy when he kills Goliath. Mm-hmm. Amos is a shepherd. So you see this idea of shepherds all through the uh, Old Testament—over a hundred references to the word shepherd in the Bible. So it's no wonder that who got the first birth announcement on Christmas to go see the baby it was shepherds, right? Well, it was probably good not only because the whole idea of shepherds and the good shepherd is being born, but the other reason is they—they they were up awake at night. You know, they were everybody else was sleeping. Yeah, the one occupation where you had to be awake and alert was a shepherd, so it was perfect, you know. But I like the fact that the, the, the shepherds were the ones that got the first birth announcement that the king was born in Bethlehem. So let's look at the, this idea of yeah. the um, the lamb, the shepherd, right. and you just brought up the lamb in uh, Exodus, and if you look at Exodus chapter twelve, here's where we see the use of the lamb imagery. Now, just a couple of things about uh, the lamb. They're the most one of the most defenseless animals ever made. Yeah, they cannot and without a shepherd, they're not going to survive. No. You know, I mean, a dog, you let a dog go, he can, can probably get by for a while in the wild. Even a cat yeah. can hunt and get mice and this and that. He's got claws, he's got teeth. But a, a lamb, he's got he's
1: got no defense system, no. and they don't know how to herd together. No. For protection. They're very skittish. Skittish. they I mean, they're scared of their own shadow. I mean, it's
0: it's really hard and they're white wool. So if yeah. you're a wolf and you're looking out on a green pasture,
1: yeah, you could see them pretty quick, right? Yeah, and do you ever see how the fur covers their eyes? Yeah. So they're not they're not like ready to defend them. They don't run fast or anything. Yeah. There's not much they can do to defend them. So the fact that God would yeah. choose that right
0: for uh to relate to believers, you know, yeah. where we're sheep, the flock of his pasture, and he's the good shepherd. We'll see it in a minute. So it's just interesting how that uh, went down like that. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So, okay. So if you look at chapter 12 yep. of Exodus, and of course, this is where they have been in slavery for 400 years, right? Yeah. 400 years. And now they're going to get out. That's an incredible long, that's older than America, no right? Yeah. So look, if you want to read David, if you would just read. The, verse 1 through verse 5.
1: The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you, the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor." having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep
0: or the goats. Okay, so thanks, David. So here you see, again, this is God's plan. Remember, how did he, he uh, clothe Adam and Eve? That was his plan. How did he survive uh, Noah and his family in the flood? They didn't get to think, hey, we should build a boat. Maybe someday it's going to flood. No, it was God's plan. So salvation is God's plan. Man, all man's religions, are, they're, they're trying to figure up a plan. The Bible reveals God's plan. Okay, so what you just read is very interesting because they're saying, he's saying, I, I, I just wonder when Moses called up Joshua and Caleb and all the tribal leaders to come before him, and then said, hey, we're going to get out of this slavery. And they're listening real intently to him, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how are we going to get out? And then he says, get a lamb and check it that it doesn't have spot or blemish. And then kill it and catch its blood. I mean, it makes no sense, right? And until you get to the New Testament. And then you catch the blood in a bowl and you have a brush that's called a hyssop. And put it on the doorpost, sprinkle the blood, yeah. and go in and cook the lamb. And then eat it because you're gonna need the energy because you pack your bags, you're getting out after I mean, with a lamb? How do you get out of slavery with a lamb? You know how I many men died in the civil war to free slavery? Two hundred and fifty thousand. So so that's the so but they, they are supposed to keep it for four days. You you get it on the tenth day, it said in verse three, you keep it four days and then you kill it. Well, when did Jesus come in on Palm Sunday? That was the week he was going to die. We're coming up on it not that far. Four days later, he's going to die. See the Passover lamb? And so what do you do with the lamb for four days? You inspect it to see if it has spot or blemish. What did they do with Jesus before they crucified him? Pilate, Herod, all of these people were doing what? Looking to see if there's anything against him. They could find nothing wrong with him. Pontius Pilate says he's an innocent man. You know, so they couldn't find spot or blemish. They were examining the lamb. And they didn't even know it. Yeah. Think about that. Wow. And so now he says, now you take the lamb and you you kill it and then put it on the blood. And then I'm going to go through all the land. And he says in verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. and I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. The blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, what? I will pass over you. That's where you get the word Passover. Notice, if you're covered by the blood, you're safe. Yeah. If you're not covered by the blood, the firstborn is going to die. You know, and, and why, when you see Jesus on the cross, he's the firstborn, but he's dying that we can be set free from what? Sin, yeah, that's right. Bible, a mixed-up life, everything else. The
1: destructive plague, you know, I was just thinking, you know, it's death. It's, it's symmetry, now have, yeah. yeah. Now, now we have eternal life because of his shedding of his blood, the perfect sacrifice, and then his resurrection. Perfect. It's perfect. I mean. And now that goes all the way through from the Old Testament to the New. I don't know how it people even can't even see that. Happens. It's good. Kind of, yeah. No.
0: Then the other thing it's that's interesting, yeah. before this, Moses will do nine plagues. So he it builds. It builds like this, okay? You're building. But the climactic moment is the death of a lamb and the blood shed, and now you have freedom. See? So when you study the life of Jesus, he's introduced as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But his whole life, his ministry builds to what he calls my hour, my hour, my hour. What's his hour? His death and his resurrection. See how they both have this climactic moment? What? You know, it's. Yeah. It's really weird, David, because it's almost like either you're going to see this or you're not going to see it. But once you see it, you cannot not see it. Am I right? As a believer now, it makes perfect sense to you. Does it not? Yeah. Look at her here. That's why Jesus says, search the scriptures for they testify about me. He says, search the scripture. He's talking about Old Testament. Then he says, Moses wrote about me. He says that Well, Moses is writing the book of Exodus.
1: You know. So I guess while you were talking, the first thing that came to my mind is I was with someone over the weekend and they were saying again, you know, when I retire.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. And what do you think of that, Jack? You and I have talked about that. Good. There is no guarantee you're going to be around when you think you're going to retire. And there's, you know, um, we were talking earlier about some friends of ours and how they were looking at being a Christ follower. Yeah. Life is so much better. And you have the protective arm that you need in this world because you're not just in the material world. We've said that a million times. There's supernatural involved, and you need Jesus Christ protection. And you can get it, but by getting that, he, your life is so much more fulfilled.
0: Oh, without doubt. Every that. level. John, right. Right. Well, even to your point, David, on the Passover, he just didn't save them from something, slavery. He was saving them for something, the promised land. You understand? Once you've seen that, Jesus just didn't save you or save me. He saved us for something. Yes. that we can live a victorious life and have a Christ-centered family and see answers to prayer and be influencers for his sake. Right. and, And to get our minds right. Right. To apply to whatever career or job or creativity you're doing, it's all different now. And I try to tell people this, uh, like when the prodigal came back in Luke chapter 15, he, he was a mess. He wrecked the family name. He just uh, all his uh, inheritance was gone. He was he was eating with the pigs, but the father received him because he repented and came back. But then the father just didn't receive him back as his son. He gave him a ring. He gave him a robe. He gave him a feast. He gave them music. Same thing with us believers. When you, you're covered by the blood, that I see the blood, I'll pass over you. God just doesn't leave you there. He says, okay, now I want to teach you my word. I want to bring you into a church community. I want you to learn hymns and songs. I want to show you how to have, make prayers and answer to prayer. I want to show you how to touch people's lives to change them for the kingdom of God. Not only that, he says, i go to prepare a place for
1: you that where I am, you're going to be there also. That's right. I mean, he's checking all the boxes. What's there not to to like? Or you know, it, again, John, it, you know, after this past weekend again, and I've brought this up in so many shows. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get those people that are running around. You know, and we learned this in Ecclesiastes with King Solomon. It's a good point. About how he just saw the whole light material world as a rat race yep. and East decided i'm gonna see if i can get true pleasure and spend as much money as i can he had a winery women uh you know homes that he built and he came back to say the only true happiness from the internal out is to be a christ follower
0: exactly and
1: think about that one of the probably the richest man in the world at the time you yep. saying money doesn't buy it and it's not just about being happy in this lifetime but it's about the eternal life you'll have yeah and it starts now you know and yeah. it, I mean when I felt bad you know because i'm I'm saying I said gosh I, I really wish you would read that and oh your really, friend that said yeah, that he's going wait. he yeah. said you know I really wish because there's no guarantee you know uh, how long any of us are going to be it's true we have no guarantee so no but no. Anyway. no
0: no you're right David so here we see the lamb. We see the lamb, and it's in uh, how it's being offered up, and it, it offers salvation. Now, just go back a little bit. To, we'll look at a lamb again. Look at Genesis uh, chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. I want to look at the lamb again. This theme runs all the way through Scripture once you really see it. Genesis chapter 22. Okay. And look at just uh, verses 1 and 2.
1: Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Okay,
0: now this is a test. If you study the life of Abraham, he has these tests. Sometimes he fails, sometimes he's good. But they're building. Remember what I said about a climactic moment? This is the climactic moment. What's happening in this climactic moment? He's taking his only son, and he's going to offer him up. See, this is the biggie. It's a picture of Jesus being offered up. Now, look, he takes two men with him, and um, he says um, he takes the wood, split wood, and it says, um, look at verse 5. He says, and Abraham said to the young men, he takes two young men with him, stay here, With the donkey, the lad and I, my son and I will go up and worship. Then he says, and we will come back. He's basically saying, I'm going to go up and kill him, but God's got to do something because he's the promised. He's going to raise him or something. Okay. Then it goes here, it says, Then Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. And what does he do? He puts it on his son to carry up. This is not a little boy. This is the, the, the promised son is carrying the wood like Jesus carried the cross, right? And he took the fire in his hand. That's where this and the knife, and then he went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, said, "My father," and he said, "Here I am, son." He said, "Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb?" For you see, there it is. That lamb again. He says, Abraham said, "My son, God will provide for Himself the lamb for a burnt offering." So the two of them went, and of course. The angel stops before they can kill the boy, and he lifts him up. There's a type of death, the obedient son who carried the wood, type of death and a resurrection. Death and res. That's at the high moment. Now, notice the two men are at the base of the mountain, right? They don't see what's going on. For three hours at the crucifixion, what happened? God pulled a curtain of darkness. It was between the Father and the Son. Mm -hmm. And then finally, it says here, uh, if you read... um, Verses
1: 12 and 13. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it to the burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will
0: be provided. There, a couple things are going on there. Notice, yeah. they did get a sacrificial animal. Why? He got caught in the thicket, yeah. in the thorns. Right. What did Jesus wear on his head? Yeah. Thorns. Crowd of thorns, right? The other thing it says here is that he, um, that is that Moriah is right in the area where Jesus was crucified thousands of years later. Right. That was right. But notice where, uh, this is very interesting where the lad says, where is the lamb? Well, you see, in the Old Testament, they had to keep repeating the sacrifices because none of them could take away sin. They could just cover sin. And especially on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, they had a big ceremony to kill. And that every year, every year, every year. And because you never had what was called the perfect sacrifice. It was all pointing to one day there'd be a perfect sacrifice. That's That's why, where is the lamb? There's no perfect lamb. But how does John introduce Jesus at the start of his ministry at the River Jordan? Behold, the lamb. There's your lamb. You see the connection with the lamb. And then through what Jesus has done through his death and his sacrifice on the cross, in eternity, it says in Revelation, Revelation mentions the word lamb 28 times. But it says all the, all the redeemed, everybody that's saved is going to be around the throne. And what are they going to see? worthy is the lamb. You see the Old and New Testament there, David? Where's the lamb? Old Testament. Behold the lamb. That's the gospels. As we look at the life and ministry of Jesus and eternity, we're going to say what? Worthy is the lamb. So if you understand the lamb, my point being from Genesis to Revelation, you're starting to connect the dots. That's what we want to do, David, is make this Bible understandable. Yes. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Can I divert for sure. a minute? Uh, because I think it's important. Uh, you know, so in terms of understanding what it, what a shepherd was in the Middle Eastern biblical, uh-huh. you know, his job was dirty and dangerous. Oh, yeah. You know, all the time the shepherd had to fight off lions and other wild animals. We spoke about David earlier. You know, he killed a, a lion and a bear with his crook. That's hard to believe. Oh, you know, oh. boy, David. And then at night you have to put the flock in a makeshift pen that only had one way in and out. And who was the door keeper? The shepherd mm-hmm. to protect him. So if the thief's gonna come, he's gotta climb over the fence. Over my dead body. Correct. Uh-huh. So now here's here's something that I that really caught my attention when I was prepping for the show. And it also we know that the sheep are skittish. They get spooked a lot, but the shepherd's voice calms them down. Yep. And, you know, I read something, I, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but because I, I was not a uh, a shepherd <laughs> and I don't know much about sheep, but it says when you mix the sheep, a shepherd can call to them and they will come to the yeah. voice. And if you have different herds all mixed together, they will follow the voice they know. Yeah. And so I just started thinking about when we are in the midst of a storm Or you're thinking about those sheep that are in the midst of a thunderstorm and they're all scared, running around, and then he calms them down with his voice.
0: Yeah, my peace I give you. The
1: word will give you that kind of strength when you hear God and you understand how important, like the shepherd with the sheep, we're the sheep, how it can calm you down and help you move forward. Yeah, because now once you become a sheep in God's fault...
0: You hear his word. We're going to look right. at that in a minute in John chapter 10. Yeah. But think of your old life. 20 years
1: ago, the word of God was of no interest to you, right? You couldn't hear it. 2007 and 8 is when it's not that I couldn't hear it, but it didn't interest me. Yeah. And I thought while I was reading some of the stuff, Jonah being swallowed by a whale, I thought, what is this? Is this stuff really true? Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that Jesus was the son of God. Right. When I started reading the Bible, I didn't know if some of it was made up or not, but when I needed to get into it, we, you know, um, when I had a crisis in 2007 and eight, that's when I allowed myself to sit down and then God brought me. You is my mentor, but that allowed me to sit down and say, I do have time for this because I am lost. Right. I am lost Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about bad things. So, I pray that people don't have to come to the Lord when they're extremely right, lost. Right. I would rather they do it the easy way yep. and start exploring while everything is going fairly good in their life. Yeah, I agree. Don't wait for, don't for, wait for a like storm. Don't wait for a storm. Don't follow me in the sense that I waited too long. Yeah. Well. Yeah, to get into the word. Yeah, but I mean,
0: God's making up for those last years. So there we see this idea of the lamb, and again, the shepherd, you brought up a good point, David, the, mm-hmm. the shepherd, why God chose that. Number one, Israel, they didn't have cattle in that, right? So they, yeah. they and, uh, even though they were near the Mediterranean Sea, fishing wasn't their big, but they did have grazing land, and they raised sheep. And sheep could be raised for food, yeah. for meat, for milk, for wool, for clothing, and also for sacrifice. Yeah. So that's very important. Yeah. Um, and so now the shepherd, he's got to be awake. He's got to be alert. Mm-hmm. He's got to be courageous. And he's got, like you say, he's got to know his sheep. He, he actually tends to his sheep. Yeah. He carries a staff, which guides them, mm-hmm. pokes them if needed. Yeah. Uh, and he has a club. A lot of times the staff is the club, so he can beat off a, a dog or something wild or a robber. And then he has the crook. We always see the hook there. Yeah. And then we could pull them around, especially if one gets stuck in a ditch or something. Yeah. He could reach it down and pull them up by the leg. So there's protection. There's provision, guidance. And you say, you know, sheep are skittish. If they smell smoke, if they hear the cry of a wolf, they get really jittery because they got no defense mechanism. They're totally dependent on the shepherd. And it's like us as believers. We're yeah. totally dependent on our the good shepherd. We are. You know, you know we're totally dependent. And he'll never leave us nor forsake us, like you saw there. Yeah. The one that leaves is the hireling, the guy that just gets paid. He doesn't own the sheep. He don't care for the sheep.
1: That's right. And, you know, I, I like John 10, 11, that says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Yeah, right. And that's exactly what David and all these other shepherds did. Yeah, exactly. No wilderness. Yeah. They have
0: nobody to help them. Well, let's look at that about the sheep and the shepherd. Look at Isaiah 53 then. We'll talk a little bit about the shepherd laying down his life. And the lamb, again, we see the idea of the shepherd and the lamb going together. And Isaiah 53, what does he say here? Let me get right there. Um, Maybe you have it. And look at, um, why don't you start? um, Let's go over three and four, just to start.
1: Okay. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one for whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we, we held him in low
0: esteem. Notice that? Yeah. He's despised, he's rejected for no reason, but the, as a lamb, um, what, what is he doing? Look at verse 4
1: and 5. Truly he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we
0: are healed. The next verse, 6. We all, like sheep. There you go. Go on.
1: Have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us
0: all. Isn't that true? Before we came to Christ, we were like wandering in the wilderness, weren't
1: we? We didn't know, David, we didn't have a compass. No, we didn't have we didn't have much. I mean, uh yeah, I think about how I behaved before I, you know, I was with the Lord and it was anything but a Christian, you know. I so um yeah, th- this really gives you hope and you know, but you know, I guess if I put myself in the place of those folks back then, you know, um I I'm just wondering what well, I have been in the crowd. Saint crucifixion? Oh, with Jesus. Yes. You know what I mean?
0: because
1: well, there was two
0: people groups, you know. I mean, you maybe there's three. He had real enemies, right. the Pharisees they wanted to kill. Then you had real followers, right. apostles, disciples, those that really. And then you had what I call the curious onlookers, Yeah. you know. But when back to Isaiah 53, right. it, the next verse says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Right. Right. There's the lamb. And as sheep before the shearers. He didn't open his mouth. Mm-hmm. So you can think of those sheep on on the very Passover day. They're being led up a ramp up to the altar, yeah. and their throats are going to be slit. They're not. What can they say? What can a sheep say? Uh, or you know. But Jesus is being led, and even talks about him being tied up. Yeah. You know, and they're leading him, and he's he's not defending himself. He says nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. Yeah. He told Peter right now. I could call 12 legions of angels. I could call 12 legions of angels and smoke this place. That's right. But he didn't. He didn't. He was allowed himself to be a lamb. He's a lion of Judah. He's the king. He's a God. Mm -hmm. But he's lowered himself to accept that kind of a a moment.
1: In in Isaiah, that's why, again, uh, when you were teaching me how how the Bible connected, you said the Old Testament is one side of the sword. The New Testament is the other, and the point is Christ. Yes. So when you look at Isaiah right now, in order to understand who Christ was, what he did, you begin in the Old Testament, which contains prophecies, like we're reading, concerning the coming of Christ as the guilt offering in Isaiah 53. Exactly, right. And it's in verse 10, where it says, "'Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin,' He will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand.
0: Yep. It was God's will.
1: It, yeah. it, it all connects from.
0: Exactly. There you go.
1: You know, you, you know, uh, it's all there. And, and once you showed me a 30,000 foot view of the Bible, yep. Yep. it made all the details less count.
0: Yeah, that's right. And this is the best way to say it. Well, it's like anything, David, if you were an art connoisseur, The more you look at paintings, and now you're going to see things other people don't say, like the use of tone, color, brush marks, because you're just doing it so much now. But once you see it, you can never not see it. Isaiah 53 is locked in your mind. Right. Psalm 22, you know, all of these things are locked in your mind now. And, you know, you just can't. I mean, when you look at Psalm 22, it picks up on Isaiah 53. It's a man being uh, sacrificed. You know, that's a sacrificial person. And so so when you go through it and you see the shepherd, I mean, you referenced um, uh, John 10 as the good shepherd. Just turn there. Well, let's no, before we go there, look at um, Psalm 22, where it talks about the shepherd, the shepherd. And we're talking this morning about the shepherd and the lamb and how it's used throughout the Bible. And particularly, it's a picture of Jesus. He's both the good shepherd, but he's also called the lamb of God. And once you understand those two, it's really interesting because you can really—it's like putting on glasses or something—you can see the Bible in a really interesting way. So if you look at Psalm twenty-three, oh, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, did I say something? Yeah, Psalm, 23. yeah, Psalm twenty-three. It starts out how um, the Lord is my shepherd; yeah. I shall not want. Well, that's like Jesus. I mean, He gives us our deepest needs—forgiveness of sin gifting the Holy Spirit, a way to live. And then he says, he makes me lie. Notice, he makes me lie down on green pastures. Sometimes we got to allow the Lord to push us down and rest, especially in American culture. People are running so fast. He makes me to lie down on green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That's what he does, right? He leads me in passive righteousness for his name's sake. You know, and then it down. Then it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. He takes away fear, for you are with me. Remember, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We talked about that, protection. Notice it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, look at this. I want to show you something. Yeah. Think about this. Remember when Jesus feeds the 5,000? It's in all four Gospels. It's extremely important, that miracle. Yeah. For mo- many reasons. Right. But number one, the one gospel writer says there's much grass there. Yeah, It's on the side of a hill. It's right by Lake Galilee. Right. So it says he makes them sit down and he's standing. I want you to get the picture of this, right? He's standing. What has he just done for them? He's taught them. Mm-hmm. He's taught them. And it says, what does it say? He restores my soul. So he's, he's, he's taught them righteousness. He leads me in the path of righteousness. But then he makes them. Lie down in green pastures, right? He leads me beside still waters. There's Lake Galilee, right down the in the distance, right, so to speak. He's standing, and they all, are, and he says, "Put them in clumps of fifty, because it's easy when you're yeah. distributing food." But what did that look like? He's standing, and you got all these clumps on this green pasture. Yeah. It looked like flocks, yeah. Yeah. flocks, and he's feeding them. He's feeding them, right? Yeah. And he's doing that where you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why does it say that? Where were they at? in the Galilee at that time was under the control of who? The Romans. Yeah. So they were saying that's what Jesus was saying. No problem. You got all these people. Don't you think the Romans were looking on? You got some guy that's leading 5,000 people. But notice the flocks right. and the green pastures. Yeah.
1: And he's feeding them, David. He said, isn't that a powerful picture? It's a powerful picture. But you know what else I thought about where it said he makes me lie down in green pastures it's almost like we have to shed our pride and our and our uh, earthly thoughts of ourselves yeah. to become that sheep yeah. and let him be the shepherd that's that is really to me um i was in a position where um i was lost right yeah. so i was angry i was searching and then you really need to get into that sheep mentality yeah because then you fully, God sees you fully trust him. Yep. You trust his word. You trust his voice. Uh-huh. You trust his leadership in your life. And so to me, that's what it meant to me when you read that. That's the way I look at yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good point. I have to remove myself from myself and remove my pride and say, I'm yours. Yeah. You're in charge. You know, help me throughout my life.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Just like we've read with uh, David. The the shepherd boy and him being in control of the sheep. But man, is life so much better? Oh I mean, yeah. By being a follower of Christ and letting him lead us. It's it's beyond words. It's yeah. almost
0: like okay, let's say you're in sales. Right. And you're presenting a product yeah. to people.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean I don't know what more Jesus could do in terms of the what do you you sell feature? What is it? Feature sell and the and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, you know uh yeah. But, I mean, yeah. it's the idea you're putting all these things on the table and saying, do you want peace? Do you want forgiveness of sins? Do you want to have a purpose for your life? Do you want to have a way to raise your children and grandchildren? Um, do you want to be an influencer for good? Do you want to prepare
1: for your death? you got all of these things. He's got the perfect white paper to follow. I, I, mean, it, it start, so, I mean, it started in Genesis where God said, you know, I'm going to send my son to save you. Yeah. And then you look how pure his life was. He was free from sin, how he lived his life, how he healed people. He brought people back from the dead, how he was in control of nature. It, his white paper is perfect for you to not see that he's the son of God. You have to pray yeah. that God opens your eyes to allow you to see this. Yeah. That's, the best, That's the best thing. If somebody's That's the listening. Thing, the beautiful thing is we're approaching Easter is... In fact, the whole sacrificial system established in the Old Testament for the, it is set for the coming of Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. And so now as we're getting closer to Easter, it all plays out just— And isn't it, is it an interesting, God, go yeah. even if you're not into the Bible, right. why, after
0: a thousand a year more than a thousand years, that you have that sacrificial system? Yeah. Why did it end when Jesus came? Why did God allow it to end right. unless the perfect sacrifice came? And that's right when it ended in 70 AD. Right. Yeah. So there's so many lines that are converging on the person of Jesus Christ. And then you look at the impact of his life yes. 2,000 years out, right where we're sitting here today. Yeah, I mean, you look at universities, Cambridge, Oxford, Harvard, Brown, Prince, they all started as ministerial schools. Yeah. Leprosy, literacy, widows, archaic, wow. orphanages, hospitals, right. all because of this 33-year-old Nazarene on the backside, yeah. who claims he's God yeah. and dies the worst death and 2,000 years later, people are laying down their lives for him yeah. and say, you know, drunkards become sober, immoral people become pure, stingy people become generous. What?
1: All, all, all the way till the end, even when he was brutalized, even when he was hanging on the cross, he was taking care of that criminal, bringing him to heaven, focused on where his mom was to make sure she was cared for. Yeah. Before he died, you know, I mean, what else is there to say? Even in his death, yeah, he was perfect. He, yeah. he was Father, forgive them, yeah. and they don't know what right. they're doing. So it's it's too much it's, to take. He's it. got the perfect white paper. <laughs> it, he he has the best brand in the world, Dan. Just like you were trying, to say. yeah, it, yeah. It, it's just what it is. Right. So when you
0: we touched on this earlier, but so when you look at his role as shepherd, yeah. it, it's very interesting because if you go to John chapter nine to set up the whole thing of the good shepherd. Chapter 9 is where Jesus heals this blind man. And um, he, he, the people are upset because he said they're saying, who healed you? Who healed you? And he goes, Jesus healed me. And then they put him out. It says they put him out uh, of, the, of the synagogue. You know, they cast him out. It says that in chapter 9, verse 34. And they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin. You're teaching us. They cast him out. But look
1: at verse 35. Je- uh-huh. 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of me? Notice, he threw him out, and what does Jesus
0: do as a good shepherd? Goes and looks for him. Do you see that? A blind man, a beggar. That's how important he is. He goes out, and he looks for him, and he finds him. Remember what I said way at the beginning? when God comes for Adam and Eve, what is he saying? Adam, where are you? He's a seeking God. Here we see a seeking God. So he's going like leaving the 99 going after this one lost sheep. And then how does chapter 10 open? About the good shepherd. He he expands it now. Do you see how that works, David? He's being the good shepherd role and fighting this guy that was cast out, Yeah. this poor little lamb. And now he's telling you about the good shepherd. It's beautiful how it unfolds. Look at Look at chapter 10. Well, let's just look at some of the features he says in chapter 10.
1: Number one, well, you can read number one and two. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber.
0: Here, he's the only way. He's telling us the, he's the only
1: way. There you go. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own voice, his own sheep by name, and leads them out. There you see like a shepherd imagery here. Okay. You know, like you said earlier, we hear his
0: voice in his word in the scripture, yeah. and and we won't follow strangers. That's why somebody that's really into the word of God, and really, they don't tend to get caught up in cults and no. false belief system. Yeah. But if you're not strong in your faith, it's very easy. But in verse 7, he says, Truly I say to you, I am the door. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters to me, he will be saved and will go in and out. But now he says, look at the thief. The Verse 10, that's a very famous r- verse, verse 10, chapter 10. Yeah, the
1: thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what we've been talking about. Yeah. You have life
0: salvation but have a flourishing life a full life you know he, he it's the best life let me put it that, but there is the enemy out there you know if you're a shepherd you got your sheep there are wolves out there there are wild dogs out there there's thieves that want to break in and get at your sheep right so he's giving you a very realistic picture of the, of the human world. condition yeah, the but he's saying hey I want to give you life and give you life more abundantly which we've just been talking about and then he makes that famous declaration in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. I am the good member. It yeah. ties in to Psalm 23 yeah. for him to make that claim. Uh, <laughs> that's a very powerful. He's saying, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. But, you know, they understood what that means. Yeah. And he says, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Yeah. There, it there it is. That's what he's yeah. going to do shortly after giving this little message. That's he it. says, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Yeah. And then he says, uh the hireling fleece. This is somebody who doesn't care. He just wants to fleece the flock. You know, some yeah. kind of. You see this today, even in ministries where they're not. They don't care about people. They just want to get money or power. But that's a hireling. They won't give their life. But he says, "I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My father knows even as I know. I laid out my life down for my sheep. Other now this is important. Verse sixteen. Other sheep I have." Which are not of that fold, of this fold. Who do you think those are? Other verse 16. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I must also bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. See, he's talking to a Jewish audience here yeah, so the Gentiles. Gentiles. Yeah, so he's talking to every human, yep, human being. Yep. It's exactly. regardless of race, color, or creed. Everything. The beauty of it. Everything he said here, I'm going to lay my life down. I've got other sheep i got to bring in. They're going to start coming in. Um, therefore, he says in verse 17, therefore, my father loves me because I lay my life down and I take it up again. Notice that. I lay it down. I take it up again. Death and resurrection. Remember that climactic moment I'm talking about? There you catch these pictures. Yeah. And he says, I have the power. Uh, then he says, nobody takes it from me. Isn't that powerful? Verse 18, nobody that's why anti-Semitism is so bad, especially if Christians ever do this. It's a terrible thing to persecute the Jewish and say they killed Jesus. That's bad. It was God's plan to kill, you know, to sacrifice his son for the salvation of the world. But he says, no one takes it from me. I lay it down on myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it. That's powerful language there. And uh, yeah, and so he says uh, th- that's, you know, that's that's the whole gospel summary. Now we'll start closing this by going to the book of Revelation, and in book of Revelation, of course, is where you see the Lamb again, and that's in chapter five. Remember, we did this. We did, yeah, we did quite a bit of book of Revelation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he says, uh, if you look and you see a uh, in verse, if you read chapter five, verse four through six, David.
1: I wept and wept because no. Noel- no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals.
0: There you go. There you see the, uh, you see the lamb as it was slain. And he's, he's, he's the one that we saw in the book of Genesis. You remember this whole idea of the lamb, the lamb, the lamb. And in verse 12 of that same chapter, it says, they're singing with a loud voice, what? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom, and glory. So there, that links up. Where's the Lamb? Book of Genesis. Behold the Lamb. The Gospels, New Testament. Eternity. All the way through. through.
1: Perfect. Of of the Garden of Eden. All
0: the way through to the last book of the Bible. Exactly right. Now look at chapter 7, verse 17. Uh-huh. We're closing it on Revelation. It's mentioned Lamb is mentioned 28 times here. Verse
1: 17?
0: Uh chapter seven, verse 17.
1: Sure. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's beautiful. The Lamb is what?
0: Yeah. Isn't that here's where we're closing. Remember I said the theme will be the shepherd and the lamb? The book of Revelation ties those two images together.
1: He'll 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 lead them to the springs of living water. that's eternal life.
0: Yeah. Whoever saw a lamb leading. Yeah. You know, it's so paradoxical. It is. But uh, it. I just I don't know. It's just really look at verse 14 of that same chapter seven.
1: I answered, Sure you know. And he said, There are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white. white
0: in the blood of the lamb. Look at that. They made their robes white in the blood of the lamb. Isn't that, I, I just find it
1: very interesting, you know. Um, well, you know, John, for me, I guess the thing that came to mind is by him being the lamb, he's doing his his father's will. And so the father, yes. is, you know, is stronger than him in some regard, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and then. But for us, he's our shepherd, but he still is the lamb. It's kind of like the triune God. I see yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I see Jesus as the shepherd and the lamb Yep. wearing two different titles and, and actually physically performing.
0: both. Yeah. You see, all these yeah. things are like crisscrossing right. and tapestry. And so finally, we'll end on this. And this is a summation of everything, but in chapter 19 and verse 7. You could do chapter, uh, chapter 19, verse 7, 8, and 9.
1: Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine living stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Uh, then the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb, and he added, these are the true words of God.
0: There you go. There's the wedding piece of the lamb. See how it started in Genesis? And what's a better, happier time than a wedding? We, you've had wedding. I've had wedding. Yeah. But that's where we're moving towards, if you get this. But once you understand the lamb, you understand the whole story. I mean, that portion of the Bible. And so we're going to do this, David. is pick up one theme from Genesis. Maybe it's going to be on sacrifice. Maybe it's going to be on blood. Maybe it's going to and we're going to trace it all the way through the book of Revelation so our listeners could get a better handle on the book. Yeah. I don't want people to think, oh, it's I just can't open it. I can't figure it out. Well, let's work with it. That's okay. So once again, yep. thank you, everyone, that is tuned in today. Um, God bless you. And Maybe some of the stuff we are talking about is difficult or confusing. We try to make it almost like ABC yeah, walk through you, uh, not try to get too complicated because – I know sometimes it can be not that easy, but once you understand this theme, if you remember, if you want to just study about shepherd in the Bible or lamb or them together, you can see how it all comes together. And the key is uh, the, the lamb gave his life for you, he gave his life for me. The lamb of God, of course, is Jesus. And as we go into this Easter season, be thinking about it. We're going to touch more on this when we look at the crucifixion in the days ahead. But have a
1: great uh, weekend. Uh, any closing thoughts, David? No, uh, God bless and thank you for listening. And uh, I guess next week we'll uh, we'll continue yeah. on our path towards Easter. Yeah, God bless you all. God bless.